Hello, and welcome to season two of the Pink Salt Podcast. Thank you guys for coming back. I almost did not come back. I owe you an apology for the drop-off of the quote-unquote end of season one, which wasn't a particularly planned season end. I just kind of stopped. Um, I lost motivation seemingly at the height of momentum in interviews and developing ideas during these conversations. And, uh, and I don't know why. I think it's because I wasn't really sure why I was doing this anymore. The whole concept of this has been, you know, the hard work that goes into relationships. And I think that that is sort of a developing idea as well. Um, as I've come back into this season, I realize that I'm kind of doing it for me and people like me who are young and single and maybe not even just for single people, but for people who want a relationship or in relationships, it feels like there is so much uh, content and help for fixing it, for looking a certain way to get the guy, for showing up to a date, for what to put in your dating profiles. And in the conversations that I've had, season one and the things that I've recorded for this coming season, what I've realized is that there is no blueprint. You just show up to your life and someone else is showing up to their life and you meet and you spark and you continue to make the choice to show up for each other until you have developed this relationship. And um, yeah, I, I think that people struggle on both sides of it. They struggle sometimes being single because they're longing for something and sometimes they struggle in relationships because it's not what they thought that it was going to be. Or maybe it is and they're still longing for something. Who knows? I don't, but I'm curious and that's why I'm doing this. Um, and so our guest today, author of A Single Revolution, Shaney Silver, is responsible for sparking that motivation that I feel like I lost. Um, there's a quote in her book where she talks about how invasive people can be into a single person's life. Why are you single? What are you doing to get a man? Why don't you change your hair? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And she says that there isn't really uh, a cultural norm that allows for people to be invasive in the same way towards couples. And I read that and thought, I am, I do that. And uh, why don't we talk about it? So I reached out to her and boy, am I grateful for having had her on. Shaney is a gem. She has so much wisdom. Uh, she's so articulate. And it really exposes how dusty I got after all of these months of not 
recording any episodes. So I hope that you can get past that because if you can, it turns out to be a really, really great conversation. Um, and I, I hope that you enjoy it and I hope that you have a really great Valentine's Day full of chocolate and flowers and bubble baths and love, whether it's for yourself or for anyone and everyone around you. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here and I hope you enjoy. Talent is cheaper than table salt. What separates the talented individual from the successful one is a lot of hard work. Upon learning this quote, table salt became my symbolic reminder to keep up the hard work. This developed into pink salt, the hard work that goes into successful relationships. The idea for this podcast was born of my innate curiosity about intimacy and relationships, and I wanted to include the spectrum of relationships, intimate but also familial, professional, even individual relationships, to finances, food, faith, you name it. The relationships that take up space in our lives are endless, yet many of us feel societally imposed taboo when those relationships get difficult and maybe need some elbow grease. Pink Salt reminds us to have grace for the people and things around us when things don't go as easily as we pictured. I'm your host, Jacqueline Chantel. Let's get to work. Listen, subscribe, and leave a review. Shaney, <laughs> welcome. This is, it's just such a treat to have you. I first uh, learned about you on your expanded episode uh, with Jessica. It was your um, process episode and you talked about your book, A Single Revolution. And I was like, mm-hmm, let me get that. Um, that kind of like, so I, uh, have always hated dating apps and I've been met with a lot of resistance to it. And so your podcast episode on expanded kind of like gave me permission to be like, you know what? I ain't going to find him on a dating app period. Um, and so I read your book and then I was flipping through every page and I was like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. And then I get to that quote that I sent you, which talked about like, how invasive people can be to single people and that there aren't really any people like being invasive in the same way in relationships. And then I was like, except for me on this podcast. (laughs) Thank you for offering some balance to the world. Not that anybody should be invasive with anyone, but um, it does seem quite imbalanced in terms of what singles are dealing with versus uh, what people think are cool questions to ask couples. Of course. And I think like, at least for me, like I, this, this is a new venture for me. And as I went through the first season, there was a lot of like, why am I doing this? What is this exactly? Like, I definitely have the motivation to do it and find people on to have on and, and keep going. But there was sort of this like ongoing question. And I still don't think it will ever be answered, but I think that quote kind of sparked a bit of an answer of like, 
finding out exactly how different relationships are from other relationships, how they started, what goes on in them are all really important to single people because you're not going to have the relationship that anybody else has. So that was really motivating for me. Like a little pilot light. (laughs) I love those moments. Yeah, it was great. Um, So I guess I kind of want to start talking with you about like what you value in singledom. What I value in singledom. Oh my gosh. What I value in singledom is is probably what I value about life itself. Um, Because I don't think that being single is any different from being alive. I really don't. I think we overlook that a lot. All single means is that you're alive when you really think about it, because like, you're not lacking anything because you're single. You're not a failure at anything just because you're single. An individual human being awake and here in the world is simply alive. And we, we tend to assume that someone who is single is moving through life at a deficit. And yeah. um, they're not, we're just not, we're just alive. We're real people who exist in the world and are alive. And I have to tell you, if I didn't host the podcast that I host and write the books that I write, I would never think about the fact that I'm single. It just wouldn't come up anymore, but I understand what a privileged mindset that is. And I also understand how long it took me to get there. Um, Somebody asked recently, like we were talking about, I I was on a similar podcast and, and they were discussing how they have read my book and moved through certain changes. And it made me think about the changes that I made before writing the book, during, after, and I'm like, you know what I think? I think that graduating from the school of Cheney Silver Singledom is when you, <laughs> when you can be bored, literally bored, and not think about how upset you are that you're single or how upset you are mm-hmm. that you can't find someone to go on a date with or what, when your singledom does not come up for you, when you're bored, you have graduated because it really is possible to get to a place where this isn't a thing. It's really not a thing. It's just a perfectly valid way of moving through the world, just as being in partnership is a completely valid way of moving through the world. I see no difference between the two. Yeah. Well, so you didn't have Shaney school of singledom <laughs> before I don't. because you made it. So how, <laughs> like, what was it for you? Like what started that sort of like um, introspective, what is unsettled about this that made yeah. you start asking those questions and writing the book and I would say about, about six months before I started to be magnetic, mm. um, I started to, I mean, I was always an angry person when it came to singledom and dating and dating apps and all that, but the anger was met with such a level of exhaustion that it became hard to ignore that I couldn't keep going like this. Mm. I was so exhausted and so angry and so frustrated that it finally became illogical. It finally was impossible to ignore. This shouldn't be this hard. This shouldn't be this much of a struggle. This shouldn't be causing me so much pain. This shouldn't be robbing me of my mental health. This is not how it should be. And when I asked myself those questions and started challenging them for myself, like, well, what if I just didn't make this the focal point of my life? What would happen then? And then good things started to happen when I decentered dating, when I decentered this, this, um, Sorry if you can hear an airplane. Uh, when I decentered my singlehood and decentered this endless search for another human being, when I removed that, so many good things filled in that space mm. that I knew I couldn't be the only one who needed to know this. I knew I had to tell other people because there is a way to live single that is so 
fulfilling and happy and joyful. And I don't mean good enough for a single girl. I mean, genuinely so. And I don't care if I sound crazy and I don't care if I sound angry or bitter or preachy or whatever the Amazon reviews like to call me. I don't care because (laughs) I, I care about single women and single people and I care about their mental health. And if I can crawl out of the hole that I used to live in, other people can too. And that is, that is purpose. If I ever, if I ever heard of one. Yeah. I mean, you, I feel that, like, I feel that that is part of your purpose, you know, from what I know of you, it's like, I felt and continue to feel even like reading through your stories and everything. Um, it, I mean, it just is something that is always on all of our minds. And for me, as new as this is, I've, I've gone on a couple of dates with a person, no idea where it's going to go, but there are a couple of things that are happening. The first is I find myself being like, oh, I've spent the past like five years single without a boyfriend. And like, I have my podcast and I have my work and I have like, I have everything. I have full days and I find myself being like, I don't have time. Like, where am I going to fit this in? And then it kind of being like this conscious sacrifice that I'm not doing other things that I also like doing and like have fun doing. And so there's that element of it. But I will say, I think between To Be Magnetic and even this book, there's this other side of it that's kind of like for the first time, I haven't really dated very much in my life, but for the first time, it definitely feels like, oh, cool. There's someone who is, who I'm like potentially interested in. And I'm not really that it's, it's all, it's almost, it's very expansive. It's very much like good. That kind of person exists. And that means that I don't have to be attached to this person because people like this exist. So if Mm -hmm. this doesn't work, other things will work. Absolutely. And for any single person listening to this, who just heard her, who just heard Jacqueline say that she's started seeing someone new, I want you to know it's possible for you to hear that and not be pissed because Mm -hmm. people will be when they hear that somebody found someone, even, even to just begin dating that brings up so much jealousy and so much comparison, but I am living proof that it does not have to, because all I felt when you said that was joy. Where do you think that comes from? We the came anger, by it. the jealousy, the, we came by it very honestly. It was very much programmed into us from the very beginning of time. How have women been trained since childhood to value themselves? We've been told that the acceptable ways to value ourselves are as wives and mothers to some degree in the professional space for sure. But as long as we're not out earning the men, right? So if we were taught that our value is as a wife, mother, if think about the ways we celebrate women, what's the biggest party we throw a woman in her lifetime? It's her wedding. Yeah. These are very honest feelings that we come by and we start to view ourselves as, am I successful or am I not by, do I have someone who loves me and wants me or not? And listen, love is amazing. I think it's outstanding. I'm so grateful it exists. I'm so happy, so happy about love in general as a concept and for everyone who finds it. But I'm also allowed to really care about those who haven't 
and what the fact that we haven't says about us. And I'm trying to create a social culture where it doesn't say anything negative because so far all we've had is information to the contrary. And it is very unfair and unsettling and also um, a lie. It's just a lie. <laughs> like we're not, we're not broken or lacking or undesirable or incapable. We're, we're human beings just as everyone in a couple is a human being. Um, but we've been taught to compare and we've been taught to be jealous and we've been taught to look at what someone else has and say, why don't I have that? And um, comparison culture is dangerous on a lot of different levels it is, but it's also, I think a misuse of mental energy and a misuse mm -hmm. of time and a, a misuse yeah. of the emotion that can weigh on your heart. Um, because comparison isn't about you. Like when you look at what someone else has, you chose to make that about you. They didn't, they're living, they're experiencing something that has nothing to do with you. When we compare and we're hurt by comparison, we've made the choice to make someone else's life about us, but it's not. Right. There, there's something that you just said in, in the context of, of, uh, weddings and, and the society projection of like what it means to be in a relationship that also for me is like safety, like even down to, I know that not everybody who has health insurance through work is a man, but there's definitely just like that sense of somebody who's going to take care of me. And so if you're not in a relationship, are you ever going to be safe? taking care of any of the iterations of those things that come along with it. It's like, I'll never be okay until I'm in a relationship. And I, I think that capability is something that we definitely need to reprogram to be able to, um, believe that we can do on our own. And then that's like, not necessarily. And, uh, it's, it's the wholeness that is one person, that isn't made whole by having someone else. Correct. And I got to tell you, you can buy health insurance. I just want everyone to know. I it's know. Ex it's expensive as hell. I will not say it is not a privileged sentence. It just came out of my mouth, but you can, it is humanly possible to buy health insurance and to factor that into the independent career that you have. Right. Um, and I say independent because usually if you're working for someone else, they give you health insurance. But if you mm. If you want to work for yourself, if you want to build something for yourself that's yours and health insurance and insecurity around um, medical care is a concern, it is physically possible to buy health insurance. I will not say it's easy, but I will say it's possible. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of other examples kind of like that, that are, are things that are uh, sort of the privilege of being married to someone. So many uh, tax them. breaks are huge. Tax breaks are big. Um, I think of... I think of what other people think of, and then I laugh about it. I think of the highs and lows because everyone's mm. like, I just want someone to share life's highs and lows with great honey. <laughs> but most of it's just life's middles. Most yeah. of things are just life's middles. That's, that's what we're talking about. It's just the middle. You need to find someone you want to do the middle with. Yeah, That's what you need. But the highs and lows, when I think of lows, I think of um, fear-based things for me involve things like natural disaster, um, perhaps a global pandemic, things like that, where in very difficult times where you're very, you have very little control over what's happening. I think company is beneficial. Mm. I think living alone in tough moments is, it's very hard again, not impossible, but very hard. Um, and then celebrations. It's very nice to have a sort of built in celebrator of you, I mm. guess. Um, but you can teach yourself to be that person. And I would encourage that activity that takes yeah. steps and practice and, and friends. Yeah. Yes. I have, course. I have great friends. I have great family. They yep 
they celebrate me all the time. And it's, it's really, it's really, uh, you know, it's a privilege. It's very warming. Um, yeah, the pandemic, the pandemic is a real thing. I remember when the pandemic started, I was like, my, I'm just going to be me in my apartment. What am I going to do? Um, and not so much that I was like, "Mm, I wish that I was like, with somebody, but I also live in LA where there's no space in, in your apartment. So like, I kind of was like, Oh great. I'm by myself. And it's funny. So many people broke up over the pandemic. A lot of people met over the pandemic, over the pandemic. And that's great too, but I couldn't break up with myself. So I just had to like figure out how to live with it. And not that it was, I I was in a place where it was necessarily hard. It was hard at times. There, there are ups and downs and middles when it's just you. Um, so definitely like most of it was the middle and a lot of it was kind of like, what are we going to do? Let's, let's go do some stuff (laughs) Yeah, for sure (laughs) by ourselves, me and all my personalities. Yes. I mean, we are, we are excellent company. You're you yourself, you are great company and we're allowed to enjoy that company. And rather than looking around and seeing what we do not have, looking around and finding abundance is, it's a skill set. Yeah. We haven't been encouraged to do that, but it's a skill set worth developing because it pays out massive, massive dividends in ways that um, pursuits of partnership do not in modern dating culture, I've found. Pursuit of partnership is an interesting phrase because it's kind of like, especially with the dating apps thing, is it something that we pursue or is it something that we trust will happen? And like, um, there's that that book that you uh critiqued what was the name of it um how not to, how die, not alone. to die alone yeah or how to not die alone I can't remember what whatever either title is <laughs> I'm not a fan yeah um just the idea that um oh what did I I I lost my train of thought um I started to say oh the privilege the uh the pursuit of being single that with dating apps there is kind of like this inherent you're pursuing it, but there was a, a a part of the book where it talks about not, or from what I know, based on your, your Instagram story that talks about, uh, when like, fuck the, the pilot light or fuck the, the connect, the spark, fuck the spark. Yes. That is a core tenant of that book. Yes. Which is like, so then what's even the point? The point is locking down a relationship. The point is having a relationship and not being alone. That is the point of the book. And you are allowed to follow it to the letter. I mean, you are allowed to do whatever you want. You can buy the book, read the book, love the book. I don't care. But if, um, if you don't want to do that, Mm -hmm. if you don't want to settle just so you can say you have a relationship, which I think is a lot of what that book is encouraging people to do. If you want to have a little more trust that there is something, there is something that belongs to you in the world having to do with love and relationships, maybe many some things from here until the end. Um, it's just, it's very, I find it odd that there's so much pressure put on those of us who are um, younger, I would say twenties, thirties, maybe even forties, the pressure to partner up so that you don't die alone. Um, when in reality, the only way to not die alone is to die first. Um, but it's, it's a confusion of what's important. 
we have put so much importance on the existence of a relationship that we've stopped asking ourselves, like, is this what we really want? Is this, is this person, is this connection, is this relationship what we really want? Or do we just not want to be alone anymore? And it's okay if you, if you want to just not be alone anymore and ha- have whatever relationship is in front of you. But I'm tired of people thinking that they have to do that because that is not required. And the pushback is, well, then how do I find someone? Or when will I find someone? And maybe it'll be too late. What's too late? Mm. What is too late? When does never start? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, no, yeah. Because the thing is like, if, if you fall in love for the first time at 50 or 60 or whatever, and it is everything that you dreamt for, for 60 years, then was it worth the wait? Is that never, I mean, I don't know. I'm not 60, but it was it even seems like it would be better. Yeah. Was yeah. it even a wait? And if you didn't spend your time inauthentically, then probably it wasn't. But that brings up an interesting point because especially like with this book and, um, dating coaches and matchmakers. And, and I, I mean, like I'm definitely, I've, I'll call it research and development have read books that have to do with like the technique of looking a certain way when you go on a date and what to talk about. And, um, there are definitely women who, uh, you know, they are, following those things to a T because they are, I don't know if in their heads, they think they are settling when they find it, but they're doing these things to find a thing that is going to get them a ring, get them the wedding, get them the validation that they are a married person. And I don't know, like, I wonder if that is authentic to some people. Maybe to them it is, but if it is not authentic to you, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. There's nothing wrong with those of us who look at that and see a damn shame. That's allowed. There is so much more to life than locking down a relationship. We are allowed to celebrate patience and trust in the natural occurrence of the right relationships for us just as much as we would Mm -hmm. celebrate somebody who who found somebody who, who got the guy who like got the ring. I mean, these phrases coming out of my mouth are nauseating me. It's, it's what's important to you. That's, that's what we have to ask ourselves. And whatever happens to be important to the individual, that's fine. If you're somebody who wants to hire a matchmaker and go out with whoever happens to be in their pool and think that that's all that's left for you, go ahead. It's fine. Anyone can do whatever they want, but I want to challenge the notion that that's required of us as human beings, as single human beings, or if we're allowed to say that our singlehood is not a disease to cure. It's not a problem. The fact that we don't have a relationship says nothing negative about us because I don't see it challenged often enough. And I worry if it isn't being challenged at all, if it's not being challenged very vocally, it'll just never occur to some. And I don't, I don't think I'm wrong because I know the global divorce rate. And I'm not saying that divorce is a negative either. I think a relationship ending is a sign that something has run its course and things are allowed to move on and life is allowed to change and relationships are allowed to end just as they're allowed to begin. That's fine. But I also know that divorce is an incredibly painful process, particularly if there are children involved. And um, I just, I see so much blind celebration of the engagement, the wedding. How often are we asking these people, are you sure and why? What, what does this relationship mean to you? Why are you doing this? What are your goals for? What are your intentions here? And is this person aligned with your goals and intentions? And if they are, great. I'm so happy for you. I really am. 
but um, to assume that all relationships need to exist is is more arrogance for a relationship centric culture that just wants that you know question popped and a ring mm-hmm. on a finger and a big expensive wedding that they get to post on Instagram once a year at their anniversary ad nauseum. I there's so much more to me. There's so much more, um, and yeah, I, I get to talk about it. <laughs> there's there's this uh, thing that happens with uh, people who are in a couple, particularly women. And I, I mean, it, it nauseates me that it's like mostly a one-sided thing. Um, but like when people are in couples and then they have other friends who are in couples and then that jealousy thing happens with, even when you're in the relationship that you're not in the same point of your relationship as the other person or like, or as a friend or a sister or whatever, where you're like, oh, but they're engaged. Why aren't we engaged? And then it becomes this sort of like weird thing that we have to like plan but you, you kind of do plan it because you want to make sure that those things are in alignment, but if they are not in alignment, then you are still sort of like trying to push them into alignment so that you can have that thing that other people have. And that kind of is in conjunction with having settled because I mean, that really hit home for me when I read it in the book, because people, like I said, I've been single for a long time and there are people who would say like, or maybe still do say like, you need to get laid. You need to, uh, like what you're too picky. And I never, I never heard it articulated the way that you articulated in the book. But I think literally right after that, you were like, so you're not picky. And I was like, yes, that's what I've been saying because people call me picky. And I'm like, wait, but you got to catch or you don't. So like, either good for you. I want one of those or, but I don't want one of those. So like either way, it's, it's just such a, it's such a funny thing. Like it, they go, they like weirdly go together where it's like, you're clearly settling because you're trying to push this thing to be a thing that you want it to be that it's not. And the truth will out eventually the truth will out. And honestly, for my future relationships, I don't want you to be able to tell who the catch is. That's what I want. I don't want you to be able to tell who the catch is. That's the relationship that's right for me. One that has balance and equality and all the wonderful things that come along with being in love, but all the wonderful things that come along with longevity too. I don't want there to be any sort of, um, you got to hang on to him. You know what I mean? Like making yourself crazy. And by the way, if you are that, that level of like, keeping up with the Joneses. Like, well, they're engaged. Why aren't we? They're married. Why aren't we? They have a kid. Why don't we? That doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It keeps going. You find new ways to keep up with new Joneses over and over and over again. It's just this endless pursuit of what are you doing it? Because you just want the validation of, of having done what other people have done because the, the, that kind of validation for me is temporary. You always have to feed it. But the kind of validation you get from living an authentic life with people around you that feel like, like your genuinely yours, like you don't have to like, you know, force, force anything, force anything to be good, force anything to stay mm-hmm. um, there. We have so many adages around relationships are work. Relationships are hard work. Relationships are tough. They take work. Great. But how much? Mm-hmm. 
do you want your whole life to be like a constant battle to keep your relationship together? Or do you want something that has a level of ease to it? I believe that a level of ease is allowed. I don't think relationships have to have to be effortless to exist. I think that's not realistic, but I do think a level of ease that is in balance with the level of compromise required for two people to, to coexist together sounds much better to me than relationships are a lot of hard work. If that's how you want to spend your time, spend your time that way, but know that you can spend it other ways too, that are easier. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a possibility for you too. Have you thought about, um, cause you said there are people who will be angry, who will be jealous, um, to hear that I have, uh, a male suitor mm-hmm. that may or may not still be around by the time this airs. <laughs> um, you know, like, I don't know what that is, oh, it's okay. but, uh, so, but for you, you have a much more established audience. And, um, I wonder if you've thought about how that sort of changes, not necessarily your identity, but you know, your, your brand, your platform, when it, that time does come for you. I think there will be a natural, like addition to my content, but I don't think I'm going to abandon my single audience just because I found a partner. Um, they're too important to me and their pain is too important to me as is their joy. Um, people ask me that all the time. What are you going to do when you find someone? And you're the only one to ask it in a way that feels like realistic and kind. Everyone else is like, so what are you going to do when you find a partner? I'm like, (laughs) what do you want me to tell you? Do you want me to tell you that my livelihood's over as soon as I find love? Is that what you're hoping is going to come out of my mouth right now? Ooh, you really got me. No, I'm a podcaster and I'm a writer and I'm going to do both no matter who I'm sharing a house or bed with. Yeah. Um, This is who I am. I, I create this content. It is not the only content I will ever create. Like I have one podcast. I want five. Like it's, there's so much that, um, that piques my curiosity that I love to discuss, that I love to create content around. Um, it just so happens that I found one, one area of content that helps people. And so that's taken lion's share because that makes, um, that makes me feel purposeful and intentional. And it makes me feel like I'm contributing to the world, which I think is important for, um, it's important for like my, to feel good. I like to, I like to feel like I'm contributing something positive, but I also have to feel like I'm contributing something that's challenging something that I view as unjust. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I feel very small and I can't fix the big things in the world that are unjust that I, that, you know, keep us all angry and awake at night and afraid to watch the news and things like that. But this, I think I can help. I really think I can help with this. So it's, it's a unique situation for sure. I won't lie. There'll probably be some additional content, but I'm not going to stop talking to single women just because uh, I have a partner. Also, what's hilarious is that that is a completely moot point because I haven't dated even one person since I started my podcast. So it's really never come up, but um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not afraid of the day that it does. Um, and I also think that I will be very um, protective of both my audience and my relationship. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think I will keep the two very separate um, until I have a a level of certainty that is not often demonstrated on social media and in content. Yeah. I don't, I don't see me bringing that in early at all. I mean, I, I can tell you that you have helped. Thank you. Um, so even if it's just one little old me, you have helped. Well, thank Um, you. Then that makes me feel really good about what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think, uh, 
and I, I, I don't ask it to say that there is anything that will need to change. I think the concept of um, expansion is one that you and I understand, and probably a lot of the people listening um, are likely to understand, and hopefully more people learn to, because um, for your story cur- up until where it is currently to be something that is so um, seen and understood and relatable for the people that it does help. The idea of expansion when something does happen for you and it does become something that you talk about publicly, that seems like for everybody that has ever had the inkling of hope that it's like, Oh my goodness. Yes. Like go her, let like, let's go. It's going to happen, you know? And, um, those, those books and, and subscriptions to techniques and things to say and what to wear are kind of like the anti hope, right? Because you are putting these blocks in place to keep you from finding something that is authentic and it's time for your life. I think the books that give dating advice, the people that give dating advice, the dating coaches, um, I see a real, a real, um, opportunistic vibe to that industry. Um, and I think it's creating work for a very vulnerable community because when you are lonely and sad and frustrated and terrified, um, and exhausted, you are vulnerable you are vulnerable to influence. You are financially vulnerable to the availability of offerings, um, whether or not you get something out of them in the end. Um, I don't do this often because I have to like also protect my mental health, but um, sometimes I will grab books that are, you know, super popular in the world of dating and dating advice to inform myself. Research and and development. Research and development. And I, it's, it's really hard to sit there and read them because I can't talk to the author. I can't have a conversation with them. Um, I can't challenge them. But what's funny is sometimes I'll look up the individual who wrote the book and who's talking, who's touting their relationship as, um, see, it worked for me. Mm. And they'll be divorced from that person. And it's like, you can't, you do, you did something once you got married one time. <laughs> like, I don't understand how you're now an expert on getting married or like qualified to tell other people how to find their partner because it's something that's not up to you. And it's something that's not even up to the people who are following you. It's up to fate and luck and chance and timing and the universe. So to, to say that you have some kind of influence over that is very arrogant and opportunistic to me. Um, dating advice is a, is a industry. It's a racket. It's, if it's right, they're a hero. And if it's wrong, you just weren't following it correctly, which I find to be very convenient. That is so applicable to so many industries, uh, yes. <laughs> unfortunately, but yeah, the, yeah, the dieting For, industry, mainly yeah, so many things. Um, but that's like the perfect segue for your feelings on Valentine's day, mm. the day that we will be airing this podcast. <laughs> I love Valentine's day. I want to make that clear. I think it's silly. I think it's ridiculous. And I think we should use that to our advantage. Yeah. I mean, come on, chocolate in a heart-shaped <laughs> box. That's comedy. That is comedy. Enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. It's $7.99 at Walgreens. Is it really that big of a deal? Like, 
I don't know, man. I, there's so much it's, it's funny because around this time of year, I get asked to be on many, many podcasts and I'm very lucky to be able to do that. And I'm very lucky to get asked. I'm very lucky for you to have said yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I wish it was happening all year, you know, like there's, this isn't the only time that being single is a concern. This isn't the only time that being single matters. It matters all year. Um, Celebrating us matters all year further celebrating love and relationships matters all year as well. Yeah. I don't know. That's the work. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like I don't know any couple that looks forward to Valentine's day or makes real plans. Like we would consider making plans. Um, If it feels obligatory, don't do it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's all it is. You can have fun with it and be silly with it. And, you know, if I had my like wits about me, I was really thinking of throwing a dinner party for single women on Valentine's day. Um, inspired by the movie Julie and Julia, because Julia Child used to throw a Valentine's Day dinner for her and her friends. Oh, that's cool. Alive. Yeah. yeah. Her and her husband loved Valentine's Day and they would like decorate with little paper heart chains all over the wall. It's just like, it's so cute. Like who doesn't want that? I would love <laughs> to do that. Um, but it's not happening this year because it's during Mardi Gras season and who are we kidding? Um, but yeah, it's just, I love it. I, I think it's, um, I see it as an opportunity, not an obligation. Yeah. Um, my mother has always given me a Valentine every year. Mine my too. Life. She yes. always, even like across the country, she still always sends me a package. Yes. Same. And you know something, if I have any fears about my future relationships, I'm afraid that she'll stop. I'm afraid that once I have someone, she'll think, oh, well, he's got this now. I don't have to, because I'll really miss hers. Listen, if she's anything like my mom, cause my sister's in a relationship, if she's anything like my mom, she'll just send him one too. Oh yes. What a brilliant <laughs> outcome. What a yeah. brilliant outcome. I love yeah. it. I yeah. love it so much. Um, I was thinking there was something you said earlier and I was like, Ooh, that is a gem. I was like imagining that one day you have a line of like Valentine's day cards yes. that are like just nuggets of wisdom and joy and love that you say and you listen (laughs) I wanted to open a greeting card company my whole life because I have had step family my whole life and I don't know if you've tried to buy a a Christmas card for your step grandparents recently it's impossible it can't be done it will be from Shaney right I mean, I want to walk into Target and buy my stepfather a Father's Day card that is not the same card I gave him last year. Like, can we get it together, Target? Can we get it together? I've always wanted to do a greeting card company for um, everybody. Yeah. And I don't see everybody represented in the greeting card aisle, which, by the way, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But isn't it lovely when you feel not only seen, but you feel like you can participate in a, a bit of cultural sweetness? Oh yeah. It feels authentic. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean it to bring it to this point, but like my family is all brown and black. So yeah. they are constantly like, where are the cards that look like us? And it's always like dad. And they're very, very few that say like mommy or poppy or like any of those things. So for father's day, I'm always like crossing out the dad and writing poppy on it. <laughs> <laughs> or there's like a section that's this big. Yeah. You know, there's like, At, three like cards. one store. Oh, you have to drive far to get. I will say um, Etsy and and perhaps this is even yes. a better way to go about it. Individual uh, business owners are creating far yeah. more inclusive cards and, and stationery on Etsy, which I really admire. Um, but yeah, I would love 
to make a greeting card company for singles to give to themselves, to give to each other, for other people to give to singles. Um, I remember in the early days of my podcast, somebody found it was like, hey, could we send you a few of our cards for single women? I said, of course you can. And they sent me a stack of them and they were the most demeaning, um, degrading, like they were making fun of us. And we were supposed to be in on the joke, but I found that it's not funny. Like, I don't want a card that says it's not drinking alone if the cat is home anymore. Like, you don't get to bring us down like that anymore. You don't get to use our singlehood as a negative to make a joke. Mm -hmm. You can use it as a positive to make a joke, but I don't see anyone doing that. So, um, yeah, I didn't write about the cards because. What would be an example of a positive joke? Let's see. Oh my gosh. Asking me to be funny on the spot is a tough. Call. Um, <laughs> or, you know, just like the pun that the, I, you know, if the idea is there, I'll laugh. <laughs> um, I think, you know, what could be funny? Like there are certain realities of, of singlehood that, that you can't escape. And one of the things I cannot escape in the moment is that if I leave a light on in the living room and I have gotten in bed, I'm going to have to get out of that bed. Yes. Um, smart plugs won't work in my house. I have a 5g network. I can't connect them. It's annoying. But if it was like a greeting card that had a picture of a single woman in bed with like some sort of ridiculous Rube Goldberg machine that when she like puts a marble <laughs> down a chute, it like takes 10 minutes and then turns her light off for her. Yeah. And she's just like, and she built it. <laughs> and the inside says, and I open my own jars, something like yeah. that, where it's just like a bit of independence and like a joke about it. But, um, yeah, something like that would be lovely. But if I had more time, I would probably come up with something a lot more elegant. Um, but yeah, there's there is so much joy and comedy in in singlehood, in single friendships, in the ways that single people interact with their friends that are in couples and in families. Um, that auntie life, I gotta tell you, it's outstanding. It mm-hmm. is outstanding. It is a gift. My auntiehood is a gift, and I cherish it every day. And I hope that other yeah. singles do as well. Yeah, I've, I can't, I don't have a niece or nephew yet, but I do have a godson and my best friend has a baby. And so I'm basically, I'm a Titi and it's the best. It is the best. My, I don't have uh, biological nieces or nephews or family nieces or nephews, but my best friend has a baby. And yeah, it's one of the reasons I moved to New Orleans was so that I could be a part of that kid's life and her life as she's mothering. And like, it's just incredible. We are at the stage where she recognizes me and runs to me to give me a hug when I come over. Are you kidding? Are you <laughs> kidding? Relationship who? Like what? I, you can't tell me I'm lacking. You cannot tell me I am lacking. There's just yeah. no, it's, it's laughable to me. Well, and then there's also this bit where like the more um, secure you are in that life and the people that make up your life, kind of, it's like the more, the harder it is to not settle. Cause not to say that everybody need who's in your life needs like approve of whoever you're dating. It's not like they're dating them, but on some level you want there to be some, or at least I do want there to be some synchronicity or understanding that like, these are the people who are important to me, who have been important to me the whole part of my life before this, that you weren't here. So like, I need you to understand that and like fit into it in some way. Um, and it probably for me a big way, uh, but that's, that's like a big part of it, you know? And the older I get, the more in love with my family, I become the more it's like, get in where you fit in or get out. Listen, they've been in my life. Where have you been? Yeah. 
like you took your time. Mm-hmm. Now this is my world. How do you want to show me that you want to be a part of it? And how are you going to like demonstrate that? Likewise, I will do the same for you and your people as well. Yeah. Like we have, we have that ability yeah. to ask of our partners, fold yourself into this because it's important to me. And please let me know if it's important to you that I fold myself into yours as well. Yeah. Um, of course. It's yeah. There's, I used to be, I used to be so nervous about like meeting the family, that sort yeah. of thing. And now I realize, like in the right relationships for me, I won't be scared. And even if I meet the family and it's not a fit, I don't fit in. There's, there's friction or they don't like me or whatever it is. Um, I know how to protect myself now. I know how to say no. I know how to say to a partner, listen, love this part of your life, respect it for you. Absolutely. But if I don't feel welcome, I'm not going to join you in there. And if that's a problem for you, I understand. And our relationship can end. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know so much more than I used to about relationships because in previous iterations of myself, I would have twisted and changed myself to be whatever somebody else's family wanted me to be. Um, I would have been terrified to introduce someone to my family. Um, now I'm not, now I'm not, I know I'll be okay. No matter what the outcome is. Uh, you said, you said previous iterations of yourself and that, that is one of the things about, uh, getting into a relationship that scares me because you do continue to build iterations of yourself. And so does that person. And then if you're lucky, the relationship has iterations of itself. Um, that's scary. Yeah. It's allowed to be, (laughs) it is allowed to be, but listen, no matter what, you're going to be okay. No matter what, that's what was meant to happen. No matter what, that was an education. Um, nothing is a failure. Nothing is a waste. Nothing is wrong. Mm. Everything is is teaching you something. At the very least, it's teaching you something. Um, I try to see challenges and um, difficulties as opportunities to learn and opportunities mm. to grow, expand, be tested. Like, test me, please. Mm. Like, I need them because it's it's a part of my growth process. It's a part of me becoming a better and more um, authentic and, and hopefully contributing person. Yeah. Um, no matter what, you'll be fine. No matter yeah. what. Listen we've always been fine. We've always been fine. We look to expanders to, to broaden our minds, but I tend to look back as well. I look back through my own personal history to expand me in the present because I don't want to forget of yeah. everything I've already done, how I've already grown, what I've already learned, what I've already been through. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay today. So can't that give me some information too, no matter yeah. what we're going to be okay. Um, and I know sometimes in the moment of great difficulty, that doesn't seem to help much. Um, but with practice, it has helped me in the, in, in dark moments this too shall pass is, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's worth repeating to yourself when you need to hear yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, what, there's a book, um, uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but anyway, her like catchphrase in that book is this too. And there, she talks about, uh, it not being this too shall pass. It's just a practice of saying this too, whenever there are any kind of feelings that, that, you know, join you basically. Mm -hmm. I've been saying that since I, since I read this book, I'll figure out what it was and put it in the notes. Um, but anyway, I want to be respectful of your time, but I'd like you to talk just a little bit, um, about the balance of, uh, being okay, being single and also wanting to be in a relationship. Sure. That's a great, that's a great discussion topic. Um, I guess by and large, I just want to say that it's allowed. 
I don't think we have a lot of space held for um, what I call the third option, because we've sort of been uh, programmed to believe that you can either be, you know, dating and on the hunt and find him, find him, find him, or you can swear off dating, marry yourself, whatever that means, um, you know, and just sort of like one or the other. But I believe in both. I believe you can be open to and even pursue if you're comfortable with it, open to your future relationships, welcome them in and simultaneously be okay without them. We forget that we're allowed to not have something that we want and still be okay. It's perfectly possible for us to not have something that we want and still be okay and still live a wonderful, beautiful, full life. Um, I live that way every day. I really look forward to my future relationships. Those excite me. I'm I'm thrilled to be in love again someday. I also, by the way, don't think it's a very rare thing that I'm asking for. And I don't think we remind ourselves of that very often. You know how many people are in couples and in love around the world? This is not like, we're not asking to win the lottery. Anyway, um, it's not one or the other. It's both together. You can have both together. Um, but we put so much pressure and so much centering on getting that relationship. And you don't get any sense of relief until you find one. But I believe that we can give ourselves that sense of relief before a relationship comes. And that doesn't mean that we gave up. That doesn't mean that we failed. It means that we, we believed in ourselves. We valued ourselves just as much as we value a future relationship. We ourselves cannot keep taking a backseat to the pursuit of partnership because it is detrimental to our mental and emotional well-being. It's not necessary. It's not fair. We just don't have to live that way. I don't, I don't believe that singles have to live in a perpetual state of pursuit because when we do, what else are we missing? Yeah. I mean, it's a paradox. It's like you're stalling your own life. You're putting it on hold until this thing happens and you don't know when it's going to happen or with whom or where. And then you're kind of like missing out on you know, the life that you would be living that would lead you to that person authentically. At some I know. Point. I, I, I really don't think that we have to do anything to meet yeah. our partners and no mm-hmm. one wants to hear that. They want to think that they can have some agency in this. Like if I just try hard enough. Yeah. Um, but has all that trying ever worked? That's what I'm saying. Has it ever, has it ever worked? Are you married right now? <laughs> you're not. If you're a single person listening to this, identifying a single, no, it hasn't worked yet. And that's okay. You didn't do anything wrong, nor did life itself for not delivering this partner to you yet. It's okay. It's, it's really okay. Um, I think we are allowed to just live our lives and connect with the right relationships for us whenever they arrive. Um, I think it's okay to just live. I really do. Um, and I, I wish that was celebrated more and I wish it was challenged less because you, there's nothing you can do to make a partner materialize in front of you, but there is a lot you can do to love your single life every day. Um, and I hope that, I hope that things like my book and my podcast and many other voices in this space help people understand that. I think it has, and I think it'll continue to, um, if you ever find yourself in LA, whether it's Valentine's day, you can come to our Valentine's day dinner. I got a bunch of girlfriends. We're going out for Valentine's day. So you can come hit me up when you're in LA. I I loved speaking to you. Um, and I hope that I continue to connect with you in the future. Absolutely. Please keep in touch. I'm a big, I'm a big fan. Um, thank you so much. 
And so where can every, what would you like to plug anything, everything? Well, the book, first and foremost, the book, it is, um, it's really, you know, everything that I say in one package, um, that is a lifelong dream of mine that I made come true. I'm very proud of it, but I'm also very, um, I believe in it a lot. I think it's going to challenge a lot of things for a lot of people. And that was its intention to, um, to challenge things that are not being challenged, to say things that are not being said that are maybe hidden behind fears. And, um, I just wanted to, to bring more into the light and to put more logic behind this single life that we're living, to put more positivity behind the single life that we're living in a way that doesn't make you choose singlehood. <laughs> I don't like single positivity being associated with the need to be single forever. Like let's, let's break those two apart because they don't go together. Um, you are allowed to live a single life you love and connect with the right relationships. Can I say that? And connect with the right relationships for you whenever they arrive. And um, the, the meantime is not, it's not a waiting period. It's not a waste. It is your life. It is your actual life and you get to live it without um, the responsibility, obligation, or burden of partnership pursuit. That is not required of you. Uh, you'll meet the right partners for you anyway. Um, it's, you know, love is is free and love happens naturally. And we forget that more often than I'd like. So I hope that my work is a reminder of that. Thank you. Love is free. Love is free. I love it. it. <laughs> um, and we can find you on shanysilver.com. Having a Googleable name has its benefits. Um, so you can find everything, my podcast, my book, uh, my writing, all kinds of good stuff. Lots of links on shanysilver.com. All right. And at shanysilver on Instagram, right? Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Pink Salt Podcast. Pink Salt is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Jacqueline Chantel. Sound production by Deb Daly and graphics by Alyssa Donaldson. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. See you next week.